What's up, guys? Welcome to the Revolution Podcast. We're the high school ministry at the church at Rocky Peak, and we meet on Saturday nights at 5.30. For info about the ministry and upcoming events, follow us on Instagram at HSRevolution. Enjoy the message. Yo, what's up, Revolution? Put my stuff on airplane mode so you guys can't airdrop me anything while I'm teaching. I know, I know. Not that you haven't tried before. Hey, it's great to be here. Uh, My name's Tim. I'm our high school pastor here. I'm so excited that you're here. If we've never had a chance to meet, I would love to to meet you face-to-face after service. Uh, And so if you want to get plugged into a life group, like Christian was saying, you can come up and talk to me. If you want to just say, hey, you can come up and talk to me. If you want to discuss... Movies, TV, video games, sports. I don't even like sports, but you can discuss sports with me. You can come up and talk. Uh, you want to talk cars afterwards, we can talk cars. Uh, or if you have a question about Jesus, you want to ask about that too, I would love to talk with you about those things. Uh, I will be up here until I'm not. So make sure you catch me while I'm here, and I'd love to, uh, to meet you and talk a little bit. Uh, I want to announce a couple things. Um, this last Thursday, Reed and I uh, hopped out to Simi High School to, uh, to be there for the first, uh, the first FCA event uh, that was going on. Uh, and so if you go to Simi High and you don't know, on Thursdays, every Thursday, yeah? Yeah, every Thursday during lunch, uh, FCA meets. It's a, an opportunity to gather together uh, as Uh, as believers in Jesus or people who maybe are curious about Jesus and to spend a little bit of time together, uh, have a little bit of time of teaching together, uh, or spend a little bit of time in the Word, and there's free pizza, and so you should check that out. Uh, This next Thursday, uh, I and maybe Reed and maybe Lauren will be hopping out to to Chatsworth High School to to be there for the Young Life Club that meets at Chatsworth. Uh, So if any of you guys are going to Chatsworth and maybe haven't checked out the Young Life thing, please come say hi to me. Uh, Otherwise, I'm just going to be the strange old guy who's wandering around Chatsworth High School by himself. and so if you guys happen to see me or Reed or Lauren uh, floating through at your high school, uh, come say hi to us. Introduce your friends to us. You don't have to spend the whole time with us. It's okay. You don't have to be my new best friend and like walk with me through the whole time that I'm there. Uh, but come say hi and, and introduce your friends to us. We'd love to meet them and maybe extend a little bit of an invitation for them to come up and join us on a Saturday night. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing that, trying to do sort of like a a Thursday campus club rotation. And so we'll be trying to let you guys know on Saturdays when you can expect us at your school so it's not so much of a surprise every time. Uh, Because I know definitely there was at least one person we saw walking through the quad who was like, what, Tim, Reed? And that was really fun. It's always fun when you guys are surprised to see us. Uh, And so attached to that, we got invited to be a part uh, of an event that FCA is doing on October 12th. So on October 12th, FCA is doing an event. We even have a, we made our own slide for it for today. They're doing an event called Field of Faith, and it's out at Moore Park, all the way out at Moore Park High School, uh, which for those of us coming from the Valley is a little bit of a waste. Um, and so we're going to be going out there. Uh, 
we're going to be joining with, we're going to be one of 10 churches that's joining with this event. We're going to be gathered on the football field there. Uh, our student worship band is going to be there, and we're going to be joining them for a, a night of worship. There's going to be a gospel presentation from a, a guest speaker who's coming in. Uh, so it's going to be us joining with a whole bunch of different high school kids. Uh, and F, so FCA is putting this on. They've invited us to be a part of it. So that's normally a life group night for that. And so we're, uh, we're shutting down our life groups for that Wednesday and encouraging all of our life groups to come out and to, to come together and be a part of this thing. And so I'm excited for it. I'm going to be there. Uh, Silvana's going to be there. Reed's going to be literally up, up there. Uh, and uh, we're, we're stoked to be a part of that. Uh, a number of, uh, a handful of students who are here in this room are actually leaders with FCA and helping plan this event. And so we're just, we're stoked to be a part of that and excited to, to get to join with other brothers and sisters in the kingdom, right? We get to do our normal thing on Saturdays here. We get to do our normal life groups on Wednesdays. Uh, but it's not very often that we get to, to be together with a bunch of other people who love Jesus and worship him together. And so we are excited for that. That is October 12th. Mark it. We're going to be talking about it a bunch from up here. It's gonna, we're going to be pushing it on our Instagram. Instagram and your life group leaders are probably going to be hounding you about it. So the sooner that you have it marked on your calendar, the sooner you can be on that same page with us. Uh, let me pray for us and we're going to jump into our time of teaching. Jesus, we, uh, we thank you that you've brought us here tonight uh, for what it is that you have planned. Um, God, I just, uh, I'm still chewing on the, a piece of that first song that we sang uh, that comes out of that passage in Matthew where you talk about you can look at the flowers of the field and how well, uh, God, that you've taken care of those, that you've dressed those. And you can look at the, the birds of the air and how well you provide for them. And then, Jesus, you encourage us not to worry. God, I know a lot of us are coming in to tonight with different worries stacked on our shoulders, different things that we're thinking about, whether it's assignments that are due, relationships that aren't, uh, where we want them to be. Uh, frictions in life, uh, financial concerns, all kinds of things that are piling on us. And Jesus, I just ask that we'd be able to take those off of our shoulders and put those into your hands to know that the, the God who takes care of the creation around us, the God who is powerful enough to put everything into place that we see, is the God who we can entrust with our life. And we ask that you would take that off of our shoulders just for this next 30 minutes while we dig into your word and God, would we be able to, to focus our full attention on what you have for us tonight, that we'd be able to connect with you, that you would shape our hearts, and that you would guide us into the, the life that you have laid out for us, Jesus. Uh, in your name, amen. So we are in this series right now that we're calling Legacy, uh, Discovering the Church's Purpose is what we're talking about. And so we're, we're looking at what the Bible's expectation for what the church is supposed to be, we're looking at that so that we can understand how, how maybe our experience doesn't always match up to that, or how maybe our expectations fall short of what God's expectations are and what we might be missing out on. And so that's what we're doing in this series is looking at, okay, this is who God says we are supposed to be as his people gathered together. This is what he has called us to so that we can know what it is that, that he desires for us, so we can know what his vision for this gathering and us as a people should be. Uh, and so that's what we're going to continue talking about tonight, and I, I'm excited to get into what we're going to talk about. Uh, but first, I want to talk about one of my favorite toys growing up as a kid. When I was growing up as a kid, I really, I liked to play with these. Does anyone know what this is? It looks like a car. Hold on. 
Also, with these, does anyone know? Oh, yes, yes. It's not, it's, it looks like a car on the outside, but really, yeah, it's a transformer. Transformers are super fun. I, I'm like impressed that I was able to transform that one that quickly. I don't think I got it all the way. I think the feet fold down, feet fold out. There's a foot. All right. So these, these were super fun. I don't know if you guys had the pleasure of having Transformers when you were a kid. I know for, for me, it was like all about the cartoon. For you guys, the first Transformers movie was out like the year you were born or something like that. Um, but these were super fun. And, and I think that one of the most fun things about the trans I would transform this one, but it would take me like a half hour. So just know Optimus Prime is in there somewhere. Um, these... These were super fun because you could be, you could be playing, right? And you've got, you've got your Spider-Man action figure in one hand. You've got the car coming. And you're like, all of a sudden, it's not just a car. It's a robot. And it's punching him in the face. And he's flying across the room. And you always had good guys fighting good guys because who ever had bad guy action figures? I don't know. Uh, and so you're, you're playing. And all of a sudden, this thing that looked like one thing, all of a sudden, it had so much more potential and power and under the hood than, it, than you would have thought that would be there. And it was so fun to... to as a kid, play with these things that had so many different, different ways that you, you could race it around as a car or you could play with it as like a, a dude who could sit down and like, I don't know, have tea with Barbie or something if you wanted to steal one from your sister. Um, there were so many different, people are like, what? Tea? It's a car, Tim. It wouldn't drink tea. And there were so many different ways that you could play with them. But I think the thing that captured so many people's imagination with Transformers is that they, they looked like one thing on the outside, and then you could transform it, and it was something else totally different on the inside. That there was this, this hidden potential there, that they were more than meets the eye. And so when we look at the, the Bible's expectation for the church and what the Bible's expectation for us would be is that we would look like one thing on the outside, but what we'll see today is that, that on the inside, there's so much more going on. That there would be more than meets the eye when you look at a, a group like this that's gathered together. And I know the Transformers thing was dumb but I had to go dig out my old toys, so it's just fun. And so when we look at what, what the Bible talks about for you and I, as a part of God's people, as a part of the church, there is an expectation that there's more going on under the surface than just what you see when you look at it uh, on the outside. That when you look, if you were to just look at a picture of this room and look at the faces of the people who are here, you would just see a bunch of randos in a room, right, who are all sort of about the same age. And we'll talk uh, another week about why actually the fact that we're um, a bunch of randos, as I put it, a bunch of random people, not a bunch of cookie-cutter same copies of each other. We'll talk about that on a, at another time, actually. But when you just look at the outside, you just see a, a bunch of people kind of put together in a room. But according to the Bible, there's, there's more going on here than just some ninth through 12th graders in a room with a handful of adults hanging out. That there's something going on under the surface. That there's a power at work in the church that you wouldn't guess just by taking a peek at the inside of the room. 
And so this week is actually part two of what Johnny started last week. If you're here last week, Johnny jumped into Acts chapter two, and he was taking a look at at the coming of the Holy Spirit to be with the church. The very first time that God's Spirit came to the church after Jesus had gone up to be with the Father. And so today we're going to take a quick look at just a couple of sections of the 42 verses that he went through last week. And so if you have your Bible... We have your app. We're going to be jumping back into Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at uh, just a handful of the verses that are there uh, so we can talk a little bit more about what our expectation should be if we're the people of God who've received the Holy Spirit. What does that actually mean for us today? Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. So Pentecost was this festival day. Uh, it was a part of the Jewish calendar. Uh, all of the people of Jesus, they were, they were hanging out. There were a couple of hundred of them, right? So not, not much bigger than just us here in this room. And they were hanging out, waiting for Jesus to send who he said he would send. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now that that might sound kind of random to us, that there was this wind that blowed through, but this is God repeating some very important themes for his people. There, There was a point where the Spirit moved as a a violent wind to clear out the water, to part the Red Sea, to allow the people to walk through. And so God is repeating themes from the story of Israel and and transplanting them here to remind them of of what specifically that he's doing. Uh, they, They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, that's like not like tongues, like like that kind of tongue. Like a, that's like what you would call like a, like if you were to draw like a piece of flame, right, as it went up, that would be a, a tongue of fire. And so, again, it's God repeating themes that in the Old Testament, when he led his people through the wilderness, he led them by his spirit as a pillar of fire. And so God is giving them these pictures of his spirit being present with them, making sure that they understand that they equate with that same spirit who was with them in the Old Testament. And so tongues of fire separate and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues and other languages as the Spirit enabled them. And so like we looked at with Johnny, they, they go out into the town. They're starting to speak in these other languages that, maybe, that most of them probably didn't speak already. And then there's all these people who are there for the festival, and they're hearing these languages. And they're like, that's my language from back home, and, except it's all these people from like up north in the back country, from Galilee, who are, who are speaking a language that they shouldn't know, telling me about Jesus. And so all these people are getting to hear about Jesus for the very first time because the Holy Spirit is is pushing these followers of Jesus out into the street, speaking these languages so that people are hearing about it. And there's so many different languages going on, and it's so unexpected that people start looking around and being like, "Who who are all the drunk, crazy people coming out on the street babbling in all these different languages? Uh, And so uh, Peter gets up, and and kind of in the beginning of Peter's speaking, he's like, hey... These people aren't drunk, like you're thinking. I love his reasoning is like, it's too early in the morning for them to be drunk. Um, And then Peter explains what's going on in Acts chapter 2, verse 16. He says, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. 
In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And so Peter's explaining what's happening, that, that what God had promised, that it's coming to be, that what Jesus had promised when he said to his followers in Acts chapter 1, that you need to go, I have a mission for you, and you need to go wait for me to send the Spirit to you, because he's going to be the one to empower you to do that mission, that that, that Spirit had come. And that it had come to, to each and every one of them. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit came to the, the 12 disciples. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit came to just the leaders. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit came for just a moment. Because these are things that we would have seen in the Old Testament. You would see a handful of people in the Old Testament, judges, certain prophets or prophetesses, uh, different leaders in the kingdom. They, God's Spirit would empower them for a moment, right? You know the story of Samson where he's got this super strength and God's Spirit gives him this strength to protect the people, but then Samson does terrible things, and eventually God takes his spirit away, and at the end of the story, Samson's like, God, okay, just give me your strength for one more time, and he gets it for one more time, and so you have the spirit kind of on and off of people. As God needs to use people, spirit shows up and then leaves, and yet God then promises, hey, there's going to come a different time in history, a time when I'm going to give people new hearts, there's going to be a new promise. I'm going to do everything necessary in order for them to follow me, right? So he's talking about Jesus' death and resurrection. And he says, and I'm going to send my spirit to all of them. He says, the men and the women, no matter who they are, young and old. And he says that, that they'll prophesy. And I, I don't know, I think maybe it's a pop culture thing or how much like fan, how many fantasy movies and stuff that I've watched and stuff. Like prophecy, to me, in my mind, always seems like it's this like telling of the future kind of thing. Uh, but when the Bible talks about prophecy, prophecy is when God speaks his word to somebody and then they're able to, to speak that to others. When God gives someone a, a message for people, that's where you have prophets in the Old Testament coming to the Israelites saying, here's what the word of the Lord is, and then giving them uh, a promise from God or a warning from God. And, and a lot of times, those have to do with future things, but not always have to do with future things. And so God says, hey, before I used to speak to you through specific individuals, now I'm going to speak to each person because my spirit is going to make his home with them. What we saw in week one is, is that the church carries the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name, the one who gave his life so that we could find life with him, and that the mission of the church, which we see in Acts 1 and we see also in Matthew 28, is that, that we carry the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth, to bring people into the family of God and to build people up who are already here. But Jesus made it clear that that mission, to bring people in and to build people up, that that mission isn't something that we're capable of doing on our own. We can't do it alone. The task is too great. The stakes are too high. 
And we are too weak to be able to do it just by ourselves. And so he sent the Holy Spirit to make that possible. We see him move powerfully as Peter, as Peter preaches. That's really hard to say. As Peter preaches uh, in Acts 2, and thousands give their life to Jesus in that day. We see, we see the, the Holy Spirit move powerfully in the early church as they share about Jesus in the lives of the people around them. And the Bible's expectation is that the church just as in the very beginning of when the church was being founded, the church would continue to rely on the Holy Spirit today. That our, our need for that power and our need for his presence, that that wouldn't disappear. That we would need to have him there with us, empowering us for what our calling is and what we're designed to be, that we would need him there. And so the first fill-in on your note sheet is this is that church is a supernatural gathering. Church is a a supernatural gathering. What that means is that in this room right now, while it might seem like it's just a bunch of people who have decided to group up on a Saturday night, that there's something more going on under the surface, that there's something more than natural, that there's something supernatural going on, that it's not just a a club, it's not just a team, it's more than a concert or inspirational message or a teenage community, that this is a supernatural gathering of God's people, even if most of the time that goes unseen. And so today I want to talk about three things that the Holy Spirit does, that he's doing right now in this room, that he's doing in our lives, that he's doing in our life groups, things that I think sometimes go unseen, things that that the Bible talks about very, very clearly. Things that if we know to look for them, we can start to see that he's active. Things sometimes that maybe we haven't even given him credit for, that once we notice, we're like, oh, that was God doing that this whole time. And I didn't even realize things that we can begin to expect and depend on that give us courage, that give us passion to move deeper and faster into the things that God is calling us to. And so the first thing that I want to talk about is the first, or the, we already did the first fill-in, the next fill-in on your note sheet, which is this, that the Spirit changes our character. The Holy Spirit changes our character. He changes us from the inside out. He changes, another way to say it is that he changes our hearts. God promises that he would give us, he would take our heart of stone and he would give us a heart of flesh. And he's in this process of turning us into people who reflect him in this world. In Galatians chapter 5, there's this amazing section where Paul is talking about what it means to be people who live by the Spirit instead of being people who live by the the flesh, which is Paul's way of talking about our old way of living, our selfish way of living, our sinful way of living that we still contend with to this day. And so he he starts talking about, hey, these are... This is what it looks like to live by the flesh. And then he says, hey, here's what it looks like to live by the Spirit. And and we're going to start our little section in verse 22. Galatians 5.22 where it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, so now the fruit of who? The fruit of the Spirit, right. So uh, if you have a, a fruit of an orange tree, what's that called? An orange. A fruit of an apple tree is a... A fruit of a pomegranate tree is a 
Yeah, would you be surprised to take a pomegranate tree off of a lime tree? Would it be weird to find an apple growing on a pineapple tree? Do pineapples grow on trees? I don't think they do. Yeah, They grow on the ground. Thank you, Will. I appreciate that. Uh, I want you to notice here that it says this is the, the fruit of the Spirit, not, hey, here's the fruit of your hard work. Here's the fruit of your devotion. Here's the fruit of your blood, sweat, and tears. Here's the fruit of, like, you finally prayed enough, and now it happened. This is the fruit, the fruit of who? The spirits. This is, this is what God does in our life. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, right? being able to bear under kind of like patience under difficult times, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So if you've seen your life change as a follower of Jesus, if you've seen growth and transformation to be more like Jesus, that's been the Holy Spirit at work. If you can see in your life over the last two years of following Jesus that, that what you want and what you desire has been shifting from what comes natural to you, uh, what is selfish to you, and is shifting to be more like what God would desire for you, that's the work of God in your life. That's the Holy Spirit in your life making those shifts a reality. He is the one who transforms us. He is the one who changes us from wanting what we would want naturally, those fleshly desires, as Paul says, and shifts us, transforms us, makes us into something else. That is the Holy Spirit's work. That is an actual, literal miracle. And I know so, so many times when God is at work in our life and he makes those little changes, and I don't know if it's something about it being personal or something about us maybe wanting to discount what those changes were. We're so quick to just kind of write those off as just like, oh, well, sure, like that's changed, but I have all this other stuff that I'm still working on or all this other stuff that is still broken or still messy. Or I, I need God to work over here. And yes, he's done this, but really I need all of this still too. But man, let me tell you, it, it is a miracle when Jesus changes your heart to want what he wants instead of what we want naturally. I know that there are high school students in this room right now who have had their heart shift to no longer want to be mastered by pornography. And, and I don't know if we recognize how very different that is from the people around us. And even though there are people who maybe struggle back and forth, that if God is shifting your heart to no longer want to take advantage of what's offered so freely in this world, but instead to devote yourself to him, that, that is a, a miracle and a work of the Holy Spirit. I know that there are high school students in this room who are working to be less self-centered and to care more about serving others. 
and are taking actual steps to do that and who look around at their school for opportunities to do that and who, when they encounter someone who maybe is in need or they, they could maybe offer themselves to that person as a way to help them, that, that they're actually taking steps to be less selfish. I don't know how much you pay attention to the, you know, to society's expectations on high school students, but no one expects that from teenagers to be selfless. And yet I've seen it happen, and I know those stories. I know the people in this room who I'm thinking of specifically, and those things are God at work doing miracles in our heart. The Holy Spirit is the one transforming our character, changing our hearts to reflect Jesus. I want to highlight just three of the fruit of the Spirit. I know we could, we could do a whole series on just the fruit of the Spirit and pull off each one and assign each one of them to like a different like real-life fruit and be like, joy is an apple because, I don't know, I'd probably figure it out if we we're doing a series, but we'll just say. Um, but there are three that I want to highlight. The first, one, the first one that I do want to highlight is joy because a lot of times we think of joy as happiness. Uh, if we say like, oh, I saw a look of joy on someone's face, it's just like, they look really happy. But joy is, is more than happiness. It's actually very different than happiness. Joy is the, the state of delight and well-being that results from knowing and serving God. It's the delight that comes from understanding that God will make it all right in the end. It's that ability to have hope in the darkest times because you know that hope is rooted in Jesus. And that kind of joy in those difficult times only comes about out of the work of God's Spirit in our life. Another one that I want to highlight is kindness, because I think most of us think kindness is the same thing as being polite. Right? But we all know you can fake being polite. Anyone who's ever had to work customer service knows you can fake being polite. Uh, and while some of us, it takes a little bit more work for us to fake it, most of us can get there eventually. But being kind is different than just faking politeness to people. Being kind is treating other people like they have value, even when they have nothing to offer you. Being kind is, is choosing to see people the way that God sees them, as someone that he died for. And so if he died for them, why would I not greet them? If he died for them, why would I not help them? Why would I not assist them? Why would I not spend time with them? Why would I not listen to them? If he died for them, why would I not be kind for them? And that is a, a shift in perspective that requires a miracle, that requires the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And the last one that I want to highlight is gentleness. Because I think a lot of times when we hear gentleness, we think weakness. But all of these fruit that the Spirit is putting into our life, these are all things that reflect God. And God is far from weak. God is the most powerful being in the entire universe. He spoke, and that's all it took for things to come into being. He could snap, and it would all disappear. But God is described as gentle. Is that weird to think of God as gentle? It's because gentleness is not the same thing as weakness. To be weak is to not have strength. To be weak is to be without strength. To be gentle is to choose not to use the strength you have. 
It's that choice that you make that says, I could show off how strong I am in this moment, but I know I don't need to, or I know it would do damage, or I know it's not necessary, and so I'm going to hold back. God is gentle with me when he chooses to slowly correct my sin instead of allowing me to suffer everything that I deserve in the moment, even if it's just the natural causes that come about as that. God is gentle with me in those moments. And when we grow in this fruit, that's when we learn to hold back on using everything that we have, that it doesn't matter if everyone sees how strong I am. I don't need to show off in this moment. I don't need people to see what I'm capable of. And that could be your physical capabilities, or it could be how good you are at ripping someone a new one, or how creative you could be at sharing gossip behind someone's back, or how quickly you could tear down someone's, uh, like, how people see them. Um, Gentleness could be either a physical thing or it could be a social thing or it could be a mental thing, but it's that, that decision to not use the power that I have when it's not necessary and to save it for when it's called for. These are things that the Holy Spirit does to grow in our life, to take God's character and to transplant it into our hearts so that we can reflect him into this world, so that we can be people who carry his name not just in word, but in how we live and in who we are. And so when you see him growing you, when you see growth in your life, thank him. And maybe even more important, when you feel like you need to grow, And if there's anyone in this room who's been following Jesus for any amount of time, there's probably been that point that you've gotten to where you're like, man, I can't stand that I can't get over this hurdle, or I can't stand that I keep going back to this sin, or why is this my weakness? I don't get it. When you have those moments where you feel like you need to grow in an area and you can't make it happen, you know that you can lean into him that Jesus knew you couldn't make it happen. Jesus knew that you couldn't be responsible for your own growth on your own, that you needed a partner, that you needed his power. And so he sent you the Holy Spirit. Next fill-in, next thing that the Spirit does is that the Spirit gives us new abilities. The Spirit gives us new abilities. In 1 Corinthians 12, uh, which is a section we're not going to read together right now, but is a great section to go back to, uh, it's a section where Paul unpacks all the different ways that God has given us his power, and he takes us and he gives us new abilities, which, which oftentimes get called gifts of the Spirit, ways that he gives us supernatural abilities as believers in Jesus to be able to help build up the body, to be able to build up the church. Um, Some examples, uh, if I just jump into the middle of the passage, in verse 7, he says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. In other words, that he gives each of us some of the Holy Spirit in different ways, but for all of our common good. uh, To one, there's given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous power. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of languages. 
to still another the interpretation of those languages. All of these are at work, or are the work of the one and same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one as He determines. And so God not only helps us grow, but he also gives us strengths and gives us abilities and gives us different ways that we, as his people, are equipped to help each other out, right? And so each one of us is already different as it is, but then God equips us each differently. And so I want to talk about three ways that the Holy Spirit is active uh, in a group of high school students like this that I think sometimes goes, uh, goes under the radar, I'm totally losing my voice. Uh, I was sick earlier this week, and it's coming through. Um, uh, Reed, could you grab me some water? Thanks. Um, Three ways that the Holy Spirit is active. Three types of spiritual gift that I see a lot in a room like this that I think goes unseen, unnoticed, uncredited to him. The first is, I, I think a lot of you in this room have the spiritual gift of encouragement. And so that, that's more than just like seeing someone and be like, hi, it's nice to see you, right? The warm, nice welcoming, which is great. And it's more than just saying like, like hey, that's a, a great outfit today, Dylan, um, or whatever. I mean, it's, the donut shirt is, is fun and it's a fun channel. Um, or whatever, like, like you, you can encourage someone on a surface level, but there's also a spiritual gift of encouragement where you can see what God is doing in someone's life, and then you can help encourage them by calling that out. And so that might be, you know, you're in life group, and it's, it's junior year, and you've been together for a while, was way more difficult than it should have been. And you've been together for a while, and, and you know that since ninth grade, this person has been talking about how uh, you know, they want to grow in this one area, and they've been like struggling through it, and now it's junior year, and you've noticed they've started talking about that less, um, but also that they've been getting better in that area, and you can, you can stop and highlight for them, hey, I don't know if you've realized, like, in ninth grade, you were talking about how you want to grow in patience. And in 10th grade, you felt like you were still needing a whole lot of patience. I just want to let you know, like, man, I, I can see God growing you in, like, in patience. You're a much more patient person than you were two years ago. And you know what? It, it can be really scary sometimes to say that to someone. I don't know why it's scary, because I don't know who's ever going to look at you and be like, how dare you say that I'm growing. Um, Here's what happens. When, when you see what God is doing in someone else's life and you call it out, it's a way that you cement for that person what that growth is. And you bring glory to God by helping them see that it's something that he is doing. And I think that's something that we, we see a lot of you are capable of in your life groups and you don't maybe recognize that that's something that God is equipping you for and is showing you by his spirit so that you can be calling that out. Another one is is the spiritual gift of wisdom. And so wisdom is where you can skillfully apply godly knowledge in a way that is effective, right? So where there's godly knowledge about something and so someone's talking about their life and some of you are really good where someone's talking about life and you can just take something that you know from, from the Bible and really skillfully, you're like, hey, I think this is kind of maybe what God would want you to do. And it just, it clicks. Right. 
And I think what happens a lot of times in our life groups is that the people who have that spiritual gift of wisdom many times are the people who are afraid to talk in group. They're the people who are quiet. They're the people who don't chime in. They're the people who just kind of wait to be called on. And so what I want to encourage you to do is in your life group, speak up. Because you might have the spiritual gift of wisdom to be able to encourage people and point them in the right direction, to really apply biblical knowledge in the right way to their life. But if you don't say something, we won't know if that's a gift that you have and you don't offer people the opportunity to take the wisdom that God might be giving you. And so make sure that you participate and speak up in those moments because that's how we know that God is going to use that. And then lastly, the one that I think is actually really common, but because we have this super huge mythical idea of what it is, goes unused. And the the last one that I want to highlight is the the spiritual gift of prophecy. And so prophecy, we said earlier, is, is when God gives us a message for somebody else. And so in, in Acts, it says that, the, the, that what Joel had said was going to happen, what God promised is that he would give his spirit to all of us and that we, would be, that we would all be men and women that we'd be prophesying. And I think the way that works out, right, it's not like in the Old Testament where someone gets up on a stage and says, hear ye, hear ye, this is the word of the Lord, don't watch this specific YouTube channel. Um, that's not how it breaks down. But that, then instead, I think many times the way that we see this in life group is during times when we're praying for each other and God puts a specific prayer on your heart for somebody. So someone shared something that they're going through. They opened up very specifically about something going on in their life, something that's difficult, And many of us in those moments, we'll just take what the person said and we'll just bring it to God. And we'll be like, God, this person said this is what's going on in their life. You know, Reed mentioned this, and so I'm just going to bring this to you. And God, we're going to ask that you move into this situation, which is a perfectly great, amazing prayer to pray. So I'm not talking down those prayers at all. But then others of us, for whatever reason, are gifted to the point where we're like, God, here's the situation. Um... I pray that you'd give courage, uh, that you'd give strength, um, that you'd give patience with this specific aspect, and uh, we pray that you'd be present and you'd shift this person's heart. Right? And all of a sudden, you're, you're praying into the situation maybe a little bit more than you understood that you would. And I just want to encourage you that if you're ever in a moment where you're praying for someone else and it feels like God might be prompting you to pray for more than what the original request was for. I just want to encourage you to lean into that. Because you know what? If you're off the mark and you pray something that doesn't really apply, one, the person's not going to be angry with you, and two, God's not going to be like, whoa, that prayer was weird. Just throw out the rest of the prayers. None of them count anymore. I'm not going to listen because that person went off base and asked for patience, and that's not what I wanted to or whatever. Like, but... If you feel God many times, that's God developing that gift of being able to listen to him and to respond, and many times that comes through in those moments of prayer. And then the last thing that I want to highlight very quickly is this, that the Spirit focuses us on Jesus. The Spirit focuses us on Jesus. In John 16, Jesus is talking about sending the Holy Spirit 
And in John 16, 14, he says, he will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what will be made known to you. That the Holy Spirit's job is to point us back to Jesus, that the church is built on the name of Jesus, that we carry the name of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit has come to equip us for that mission. The Holy Spirit is all about Jesus. That means what the Holy Spirit is, what he's not about doing is just miracles for the sake of miracles. He's not about doing flashy things for the sake of flashy things. He's not about creating an environment where just fantastic things are happening so people are wowed and oohed and odd. And you see that in the, the ministry of Jesus too, that a lot of times Jesus would do certain things and then he would kind of like shut it down or he would heal someone and be like, hey, don't go say anything about this just yet. And he would, he would keep the, the excitement kind of at a at a minimal level so that people could hear what it is that he was saying. And so when the Holy Spirit moves, we shouldn't be expecting to see things that are like, whoa, this is some crazy giant spectacle. Because whatever it should be, should be highlighting who Jesus is. Right? That's why I think in an area like our area, where we all kind of speak the same language, that's why I think we're not going to see a lot of like the language gifts going on because it's not necessarily necessary to highlight it. I think in a culture where there's magic and special, special effects all over the place, we don't necessarily see a whole lot of the miraculous things going on, because most of the time, instead of that highlighting Jesus, it would just make people suspicious of what's going on. Not because the Spirit's not capable, and not because he's stopped doing those things, but because he's all about focusing us on Jesus. And so in different times, different locations. He's going to do that in different ways. And so we can expect him to move powerfully, but in ways that are effective. And so the Spirit, he gives us these new abilities, he changes our character, but ultimately his purpose is to refocus us on Jesus. And so as the band comes up, I want to ask us just this one question that I think is important for all of us to look at in our own life. Do you recognize the Spirit at work in your life? Do you recognize the Spirit at work in your life? When you look at your life as a follower of Jesus, can you see those marks of God at work? Do you see the growth? Have you begun to maybe see Him shaping you in certain ways, to use you in certain ways in His kingdom? Do you notice times when God is refocusing you on Jesus? Have you had those moments in worship or reading the word or in a community, in a life group where you've been refocused on who Jesus is? Because if so, that's God at work. But if you're at a point, and I've been at this point before in my life too, where where you're wondering about and you're thinking like, I don't know, have I seen God's spirit at work? There are a couple of things that I want to suggest. First, the very first, most important step is has you, have you given your life to Jesus? Because the Bible makes it really clear that the Holy Spirit isn't gifted to every human being, but only to those who have come and accepted the free gift of Jesus, of forgiveness and who have chosen to follow him as their king. And so step one is first to choose to follow Jesus. Step two is, are you looking for the Holy Spirit? There was a a point in my life um, where actually I was, I grew up here at Rocky Peak, and this church um, 
had some pretty specific, different views on the Holy Spirit when I was growing up here. And so I would spend time as a, a junior higher reading my Bible sometimes, and things would stick out to me, and I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. This is cool that that's in here, and this is cool that it's here. And um, it wasn't until much later when when there were different teachers here talking about like, oh, yes, the Holy Spirit, and he's active, and he's moving, and these are the things that he does, talking about like, oh, sometimes when you're reading the Bible and something jumps out at you, like that's the Spirit leading and guiding you in your life. And like up until they said that, there were points where I was like, I don't know about this whole Holy Spirit thing. I don't know if that's how that really works. And then they said that one specific thing. I was like, oh, no, God does that for me all the time. That's the Holy Spirit? God can be working in your life without you even knowing it. God can be doing things. He can be equipping you. He can be growing you. He can be using you. He can be speaking to you. And, and it can be effective. And you might not even be assigning his name to it. But if you want to know that he's there, look for his activity. Look for the growth. Look for the gifts. Look for the guidance that he wants to offer. And then the last thing that's important for us, if we want to be seeing him work in our life, is that we want to be, as Paul puts it, we want to be keeping in step with the Spirit. Or how one of my professors put it when I was in school was, be where the Spirit is and do Spirit things. In other words, we know that the Holy Spirit is about certain specific things. The Holy Spirit is about making Jesus' name known. The Holy Spirit is about equipping us to worship. The Holy Spirit is about gifting us with words to pray. The Holy Spirit is about uh, enlightening God's word to us. And so spend time in worship. Spend time in the word. Spend time serving others. Be people who are devoted to bringing people into the kingdom and building people up. And look for those opportunities to step out of your comfort zone to do more than you're capable of on your own. Because if we stay just in what we're capable of and we don't have to depend on God, then it's going to be a lot harder to see him at work in our lives. But when we step out, we can know that he is there. That God has given us this huge mission that we cannot accomplish on our own. But he has equipped us with his spirit to do the things that we can't. And so if you guys would stand with me as we go into this time of worship. God, I pray that more and more that we would learn to see your presence in our life, that we would see you affecting the people around us, affecting us. God, and, and just like in that room, as you demonstrated yourself as a, as a wind blowing through, God, we ask that you would blow through our lives in a fresh way. We know that if we're your followers, we have you present with us. But God, we ask that you would show yourself, that you would open our eyes to what it is that you want, who you want us to be, and how you want to use us. That you would equip us more and more to continue to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.